Tales from the Hotel Central. Brian's Here by Gil C. Schmidt. Chapter 1 Brian walked across the plaza, stirring a handful of pigeons into fluttering. The setting sun was almost gone, its reddish glow giving way to a warm darkness. The air was still, poised to move. The streetlights, the ones that worked, were straining to blanket the growing shadows. Buildings loomed in contemplation, quiet sentinels of the day's end. Brian's cigarette flicked out into the gutter, a dying ember for a dying day. His destination was on the northern east-west street of the plaza. Nestled between a jewelry store and a vacant storefront, it flashed a somber blue light on the small rectangular red-on-white sign. Hotel Central. He'd seen it dozens of times in passing, and had entered it once years before when newly arrived in the old city. He didn't remember anything about it except that it was there, and that others had told him it had always been there. The air clung to his neck and his face as he approached the doorway. The jewelry store had closed for the day, a display of laminated butterflies circling up and across the window looked pallid and cheap. The doors to the Hotel Central were of old wood, a deep brown that reminded Brian of roll-top desks and inherited coffee tables. The doors were narrow, inset with a glass from slightly above Brian's head to about knee-high, reinforced with metal mesh. Brian pulled the right door open, expecting a tinkling bell to announce his arrival. Nothing did. Air from inside flew at Brian, drying his face immediately and causing him to blink. Finally, he felt refreshed and clean from the hours that weighed him. In the darkened lobby, narrow from front to back, Brian could make out very little of color. To his left was the front desk, a dome-shaped bell sitting prominently on the counter, fronting a rack of keys, and to the right was a small table with a vase of artificial flowers and a stairway rising up and curling left to the upper floor. The wall facing the door featured a settee of unknown color and its back curling in stylized fashion like furniture used to do before machines took over. A tiny table stood to its left, covering, covered with a pile of several magazines and a tall floor lamp stood behind that. To the right of the settee was a, a doorway to the bar, barely visible from where Brian stood. Seeing no one, he crossed the lobby in seven steps and he entered the bar. A mahogany counter ran all along the right side with glass shelves parading the meticulous line of bottles and glasses and knickknacks. The entire wall behind the shelves was a mirror. The bar was lined with six stools. Slim three-leg jobs that Brian felt were sturdier than they appeared. And to Brian's left, four small tables with three chairs each were lined against the wall. The tables dotted with plump candles and cut glass. At the far end was another doorway, apparently leading to the miniature courtyard typical of the buildings here. Brian waited several seconds, expecting someone to notice his arrival. From the far end of the bar, through a door, Brian hadn't noticed a woman appeared. She was carrying a tray of pitchers in her dark skin, catching winks of light from the dim illumination. She was moving quietly, her attention focused on the tasks of preparing for the bar's patrons. 
Brian watched her for a few minutes, taking in her looks. Excuse me, said Brian. The woman turned in the opposite direction from Brian, reached across the bar and flicked a switch. An overhead lamp arrangement, shadowed until now, flashed a light. Under the lights, Brian could see the woman was older, brown, almost black eyes, a severe mouth, and hair pulled back softly. Yes, she replied, her voice smooth and accented in tropical ways. Am I too early? Can I, can I come back later? She nodded. No, no, you may stay. We, we usually open at six, but today's different. Brian waited, but got nothing else. Moving to a stool in the middle, thinking to reduce the distance she'd need to serve him, Brian asked for a beer. Local American or foreign, she asked. Well, a German if you got it. We do, said the woman, shaking her head slowly. With deft movements, she pulled the bottle from the cooler, popped the top and poured, filling an elegant stein with amber and froth. Brian accepted the beer and had barely started to drink when the front door opened and a well-dressed gentleman, slim and gray-haired, came in. With nary a glance to either side, he made his way to the bar, pausing only upon noticing Brian. He continued his entrance and passed behind Brian and sat in the stool next to him. Good evening, Luella, said the man. Same to you, she replied, placing a scotch and soda in front of him. With delicate touch, the man raised the drink, saluted Brian, and drained it in one pass. Placing it back exactly where he'd picked it up, he smiled to Brian. You're not a chip, are you? He asked in a faint British accent, his trim mustache bobbing. Brian grunted, confused. A, a chip. One of those eager, middle-class, good-intentioned, amiable bubbleheads who thinks life's problems can be solved with deepened-up bank accounts, a big smile, and an avoidance of all those not-like-us. Brian smiled his first big smile of the day. No, 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 I, I live here in the city. Excellent, excellent, beamed the gentleman. May I know your name? Brian. Brian Storm. Is that a with a Y or an I? Brian smiled. With an I. Excellent, <laughs> smiled the man. Extending his hand to Brian, he said, My name is Nathaniel Carmichael. That's Nathaniel with an I. They shook hands. Carmichael continued, If I may be so bold, what's your profession? I'm a reporter for the Star. <laughs> a journalist, said Carmichael. Leaning back precariously on the stool, another scotch and soda had appeared in front of him. He ignored it, his eyes openly sizing up Brian. Is it permissible to ask what brings you here? Brian chuckled. <laughs> Rough day. <laughs> Carmichael nodded, sampling his drinks. They seem to be endemic these days of rough times. His pause was deliberately nonchalant. But why bring yourself here? Brian's eyes snapped at Carmichael, checking to see what the words were intended to mean. But all Brian saw was an elderly gentleman sipping his drink. And Luella watching them both. Is there a problem with my being here? He asked, careful to keep his tone neutral. Well, there could be, said Carmichael, staring into Luella's eyes. They exchanged something in that look. Uh, like, like, like what? Said Brian, his 
Tone getting away from him. Carmichael exchanged another look with Luella, one that Brian couldn't help but think was meant to pass judgment on him. Luella shook his head. Carmichael drained his drink and turned to face Brian. Were you told to come here? No. Are you certain of that? Did anyone mention this place to you in any way? Brian shook his head. No. What's the matter? Carmichael raised his hand slightly, then continued. Did your editor ask you to come here? No, said Brian, draining his beer to keep from exploding. This was not the day for interrogation. Carmichael received his next drink with a gentle thank you. What do you know about the Hotel Central? Uh, nothing. Carmichael's eyes bored into him. Well, nothing much, only that it's been here for like 130 years and had a fire once. Carmichael waited and Brian tried to stare him down, failing and decreasing his store of patience. Carmichael leaned away, glancing at Luella as he went back through the door she came in. How's your wife, Mr. Stunt? He took a few minutes to digest that. I'm not married. Carmichael smiled softly. A fortunate state exceeded in blessings only by having a wife, he chuckled like a hiccup. Divorced? Brian took a deep breath. Luella returned, carrying a box with clinkling bottles. He motioned for another beer, only to notice that it had already been served, and Brian was visibly startled. Magical, is it not? Chuckled Carmichael. Divorced? No. Dry. Are you unfettered in any way by Cupid's attentions? Brian drank most of his beer. Yes. He noticed he sounded bitter, but blamed Carmichael for that. The elderly man checked himself in the mirror, as if seeking approval. Is that cause for great pain in your heart? Brian turned to the man. Don't you think it's personal? His hands were flexing stiffly. Carmichael gave Brian an open look. Undoubtedly, but for the moment, I serve a higher purpose than of protecting your privacy. Oh, you do, do you? And what could that be? Carmichael curled his mouth. Your reaction is somewhat churlish, considering your profession, Mr. Storm. You should be accustomed to these kind of encounters. Yeah, well, I'm not, said Brian. I came here to unwind, not to be interrogated. He turned away from Carmichael. Asking Luella for the tab, Carmichael placed a manicured hand on Brian's arm. Please, allow me two more questions. They may insist in breaking this impasse. Brian felt himself manipulated, but natural curiosity and Carmichael's gentle pleading manner cooled him off enough to sit down again. Okay, two questions. Have you lied about anything I've asked so far? Brian shot to his feet. What the hell kind of question is that? He snapped at Carmichael. Brian turned to look at Luella, who remained impassive. Why, why would I lie? Carmichael's face reflected hurt patience. Did you? Brian knew he shouldn't answer, but having come this far, what was one more answer? No, no, I haven't lied about anything. Carmichael nodded. His hands cupped under his chin. His eyes lingered to Brian's face for a second before he spoke. My final question. Did you come to this establishment because you want to die? <laughs> 